You are down with Yo, Dave. What up? Drop the beat. We like it old school. Tuesday night. What you listening to? The brothers from the 818. California. What's up, Dave? What's up, Caleb? Real and relevant conversation. No script. We invite you into our conversation. What's going on, people? You are down with the brothers from the 818. All right, all right, all right. What's going on, people? You are back with the brothers from the 818. Hey, my name is Dave, as you know, and we do this on Tuesday night. Tonight is the uh, election night, so we're really excited about this tonight. Um, and I'm not by myself, y'all know that. I'm with my man, Caleb. I can see your brothers from the 818 in the background. What's going on with you? I, man, it's election night, man. And we've been talking about this for so long, man. I'm just so happy that it's, it's finally here and that it's going to be past us. And I won't have to deal with that anymore, any of the stress, any of the weight. I'm good. But let me just say this. I really appreciate that theme music that came in right now, man. I know it's been there for a couple of weeks. Um, someone said, you know, how can I get like you? How can I be like you? You can have your own theme music. <laughs> I'm like, are you talking about the podcast? I'm thinking, I'm thinking old school, like in the 70s when, you know, um, when people, uh, what was it, Shaft walking down the street and then he has a whole band walking behind him. Yeah. I'm thinking that's that's some theme music. What we're talking about right there, that was just a 15-second a drop. But it's really nice. Hopefully uh, uh, our viewers appreciate it. I'm happy to be here. How are you doing, brother? Man, I'm good. I, I can't help but uh, think about um, uh, I'm going to get you sucker, right? Uh you know, I think it was 89, we're in Chicago, this new movie came out, and it was before it hit California, and we went to go see it, and there's a scene in there where he shows up and the band is with him. He's like, who's that? He said, every hero needs his theme music, right? And so, uh, yeah, man, I never thought of that as a uh, as our theme music, but I'm going to roll with it, because that's all right. I will receive that, and, and that's how we're going to do. So, no, man, I'm good. Uh, I'm excited about this election coverage, man. I'm, um, I'm just kind of engaged. I'm a, I'll am do that in a minute. Um, kind of engaged to see what's going on. I know that, you know, some people see more blue than they want to see. Some people see more red than they want to see. And I've just been telling everybody at this point, the only action you have is to vote. And so... Uh, it's after eight o'clock on the West Coast. The, the polls are closed. I think uh, we probably have about 53 minutes left in Hawaii and Alaska uh, if someone wants to get out there. But for the most part, you know, you've done what you can do if you're going to do it. And now we're just waiting for the numbers to tally and looking forward to that state. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you ain't getting a state, man. The, uh, there's a lot of bets going on. There's a lot of people that, you know, even the stock market, they have their they have their futures, right? I know that there you could bet on the election in Vegas. You and I, we have our thing in regards to um, when when um, when the election will be um, finalized, or when we will when we would know when the next president will be. Uh, for us, 
or for me, I said 10 days. I think I gave it 10 days after uh, the election. So that's the 13th. Looking at looking at the um, looking at the the polls, looking at the, the numbers that are coming in, I think we'll know uh, before November 13th. And that means that I will be enjoying a steak purchased by you at some fine establishment. So, yeah, man, uh, that's not going to happen. Well, you know, we're going to be enjoying the steak regardless. However it gets paid for, it gets paid for. Um, I think that, you know, yeah, I, I think 10 days is very premature to count all the votes. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see. And, uh, you know, I just want it to turn out the way I want it to turn out. Right. But at this point, like I said, I didn't vote it. You didn't vote it. We didn't vote it. Uh, you know, anybody in the uh, contiguous United States, if you haven't voted by now, uh, you missed that one. Um, and hopefully you missed it accidentally. Um, I had a number of conversations with some uh, family in, in, in Vegas. I was out there this past weekend um, about, you know, the importance of voting and why you need to do it. And if you're not, why not? Right. That type of deal. Um, and, you know, people going to the somebody fought and died and blah, blah, blah. And, and all that's true. Right. But I'm like, beyond all that, you need to be able to look at the here and now and understand why your vote matters and why from a, in a collective sense, your vote matters to the people receiving them or even to the people who are not receiving. them. So, again, we didn't been through this for about four weeks um, and, and we don't have to keep going into that. But it is election night. And in honor of that, I'm going to pop this up so that uh, anybody who's uh, tuned in watching can see what we see when we see it. Um, and this is the last thing I'm going to say, and then we're going to introduce our, our guest tonight. Um, uh, last thing we're going to say about, you know, our check-in. What you're looking at right now, uh, people, is uh, just a live view from uh, Yahoo reports of, you know, who has what um, and uh, the electoral votes. Um, what I'm telling you is don't believe the polls. Don't get into the hype. Right. Because you go to sleep and you wake up and things look different. Most of these blue and red are projected and a lot of them are very accurate, but a lot of them aren't. And you just never know until the count is done. This is what happens when, you know, polls go and say blah, blah, blah. And this is what's going to happen. And this is what it looks like. And some people are cheering or booing because, you know, look, Biden is you know, what, 51, 58 uh, votes away from, you know, securing the election. Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, that's what that means, right? That's exactly what that means. And so you just never know. Uh, don't believe the hype. This just gives you a, a good indication of what's going on. Hey, man, didn't you say that we're a couple hours or maybe an hour away from Hawaii? I see that uh, on this screen. Um, they've already given it that to uh, to Biden, so that's yep. interesting. Yeah, it is. It's very interesting. So they could, they could give California to Biden as well because we know that um, you know uh, California is going to be a blue state. Yeah, I mean, there's some states that are going to go either way, and I'll even you know this this coverage is actually pretty good because it'll show you like this view. You know. This is what leans Democrat, what leans Republican, and kind of what's up for grabs. And so, you know, the more you really want to drill into this, and, and I'm not here to advertise for Yahoo, whatever coverage you're watching, whether it be CNN or MSNBC or Channel 2 News, or you're doing a, a Google feed, whatever it is that you're using to monitor it, use it, right? So this one is good for us tonight because there's no commentary going on. 
and it's just a visual view that's actually live and you'll see numbers like the percentages and so forth jump and move around as we're having this conversation. So I just wanted to put it up. But anyway, man, we got we got some stuff to get into. You know, we don't like to keep people around for too long. Um, tell us about your guest tonight. Who we got here with us? Well, this is my antagonist, man. This guy, this guy uh, we, uh, we live uh, fa uh, fairly close to each other. Um, I, uh, I invited him to um, watch my beloved 49ers uh, in the Super Bowl earlier this year before all hell broke loose in 2020, right? It seemed like it was so long ago. And uh, this guy, he keeps me, he keeps me balanced. He keeps, uh, he keeps me, um, um, what can I say? Keeps me questioning whether or not um, my reality is, is intact, right? Uh, he asked some very provocative questions. This is Brian. He lives in uh, my neighborhood, and uh, I'm going to ask him to share whatever he would like to to share with our audience and um, kind of do his own check-in. Tell us about yourself, Brian. All right. I'm uh, honored to be here. Thank you guys for having me. Uh, I'm a teacher. I, I work at the local school district. I, I won't give it out. If, I don't know if you guys are giving out where you guys live. Um, special ed teacher. Uh, yeah, I do live just down the street from Caleb, and um, kind of my political leanings is I lean a little left, and um, I do give Caleb a little bit of a, a rub every once in a while. But uh, you know, he's having a pretty good, uh, pretty good sports year, all things considered. We talked about this before. His team went to the Super Bowl. His team won the NBA championship. Your team won. Team won the World Series. Two out of three isn't bad. Yeah, hey, so. hey, Brian, why why is it my team? You're not you're not uh, uh, Angelino. So tell us about where you where you come from, since you're saying my team. Because most people most people watching this, if you're living in California, and you say his team, his team, and people question like, are you a Clippers fan? Are you a are you a Chargers fan? Are you from San Diego? So where are you where are you where are you uh, come from, Brian? Where we're uh, traveling nomad a little bit. I was born in North Dakota, so a little place called Hillsboro, uh, population probably a couple hundred. And then uh, my parents moved around the Midwest until I was uh, elementary school age. We grew up in Indiana, uh, spent most of my, my, my time in Indiana and South Bend, Indiana. Um, there's a small Catholic school there that you know, plays USC in football sometimes. Um, both my parents were United Methodist ministers. I identify myself as a agnostic <laughs> with atheist tendencies. And um, yeah, after I graduated college, my fiance, girlfriend at the time, and I moved out to California for a year or two and then uh, just kind of stuck for about 20 years. So this is a you know, we're part of that great, uh, great sift that's happening or sort where you live by people you want to live by. You live where, um, you know, try to migrate towards like-minded people, I guess. I don't know. I mean, no, you came, you came west for the weather. Come on, tell us the truth. That, that, that's true. You said North Dakota, Indiana. I know that the Catholic school that you're talking about is Notre Dame. 
right? And uh, it's cold there. It's warm in, it's warm on the, in the West. And so I'm sure the weather has something to do with you, your decision to stay. Well, yeah, it definitely has something to do with the stay. I mean, moved out here for an adventure and it just kept going. So you know, love the weather, love the, you know, the big, uh, big city, the big state. So, you know, this is, this is where we chose to, to settle down, have kids and, you know, I'm uh, a proud Californian, you know. Mm-hmm. I know it's not, not very many people are proud Californians. It's not like growing up in Alabama where everybody's a, a proud Alabamian or a proud Hoosier if you're from Indiana, but proud Californian, glad to be here. Well, Brian, it's good to have you. I'm a Midwest brother myself uh, from Chicago and some smaller cities around that area. I also lived on the other side of the state, a little spot called Rock Island, part of the Quad Cities. Um, very familiar with Indiana and, and that area. Um, moved to, uh, it is cold back there, but honestly, I don't remember. I've been here, uh, you know, me and you've been running for 38 years, so about 39 years or so I've been in, um, in California. So yeah, I'm a proud Californian. Uh, we all proud Californians up in here by default um, because we brothers from the 818. So we wanna welcome you uh, to our show tonight. Tonight you are an honorary 818 brother. Um, question, have you ever even been to the 818? I'm in a Panorama City, North Hollywood. I you know, moved around before I you know, moved up to where I am now. So. Okay, well good. So you know a little bit about the 818. That's all good, that's all good. So welcome to the show, man. Um, we're glad to have you. We just, uh, you know, as, uh, we talked about a little bit, you know, tonight's election night, um, uh, appreciate the intro you gave, um, tonight, you know, we can't help, but, you know, focus on the election, but really we just kind of want to take a look forward. And so, you know, we're all grabbing our crystal ball and we're saying, you know, Hey, uh, the last, you know, four years have looked like this. Uh, we potentially have a continuation of an administration that claims it's been doing very good things, been doing a very good job, and wants the opportunity to take the next four years to finish the job that they begun. Um, and then you have another administration that's coming in and saying, we want to, um, and, and I'm using David's words, what I said is, we want to make America great again, again, right? <laughs> and so, um, so it's just widely different. So, you know, let's just jump right into it. And, and, you know, you and your political affiliation, completely up to you how we work, what you want to disclose or how you feel about what you feel. But just, you know, synopsis view, Cliff Notes version. Um, what, what's, what's next? What happens starting tomorrow morning? Well, I don't think we'll have results, but hopefully, you know, once we do have results, um, you know, I would love for the nation to come together. I mean, I think David, me, and you kind of have a, uh, and Caleb too, uh, we're not all originally from California. We've been to the middle part of the country, the, the flyover states. We, we know people there. Uh, you know, there, there are people there that have different views than me. Um, but it's just, I think a lot of, a lot of what, what's wrong with, well, not what's wrong, but what's, what's a matter with the country right now is um, people from different parts of the country don't intermingle as much as, as we should, as we should. I mean, I've been to, I don't even know, probably over 40 states met with people. And, you know, for the most part, 
yeah, we have different views on things, but um, uh, our other neighbor, John, Jonathan, me and him have very different views. Like I, like I said, I'm a liberal. Um, I'm proud of it. I, I have no qualms about it. I, um, I, I think we need to get back to a, a, a state of where we just talk about political views instead of attacking people. Like uh, when we're talking about candidates, I, I, I'm a liberal because my my idea of a liberal is somebody who believes deep down that human beings are basically good. And I think a conservative point of view is people think human beings are basically bad. And I mean, I'm not saying that as a judgment. It's just when you start doing looking at people that way, it's, it's it shapes how you view uh, public assistance programs, uh, Medicare for all, uh, uh, the penal system. You know, if you think the the if you think people are basically good, you would think the penal system is to help rehabilitate people, to get them back out into society. But if you, if you think people are basically bad, the job of the penal system is to punish people for their bad behavior. I, don't, I mean, that's, those are frank conversations you can have without you know, using the rhetoric of so-and-so wants to let rapists and murderers for free. And I, I know I think I just went on a complete little diatribe of what you what you asked me, and I, I apologize about that. Um, first time on a podcast. Um, but, yeah, I, I think tomorrow we just need to start having those those conversations, you know, just different opinions, but doing it in a respectful way. I mean, people can have different opinions without it becoming a politics has almost become a team sport, I, I feel like, where, you know, you root for your team no matter what. I root for my, my blue candidate, even though, you know, he's a, you know, and I'm just using generic, he's a scumbag, he does this. You know, you, you vote for somebody just because they, they have the D or the R in front of them, instead of, you know, looking at views, looking at what they're really going to do. Right. You know and what I hear? You know what I hear in 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 your um, uh, explanation or your or your thoughts about what's next? You said that you are a liberal. Um, you're a socialist. That's what that's what that's what um, the the Republican Party would would call you. You're a socialist. Uh, I'm joking, of course. Uh, you said something. You said something that that resonated with me. You said that. Um, you come from a place where people don't intermingle as much. And it reminds me of, of my, of 1988, if I could think back to 1988. And I, I um, went away um, at 17 years old to the military. And I was, um, I was, uh, my basic training was in uh, St. Louis, Missouri, and uh, uh, outside of St. Louis, Missouri, in uh, Fort Leonard Wood. And in 1988, coming from California, I hung out with whites and blacks and Hispanics and Chinese and Asians, and right, that's, that's, that's the melting pot of California, at least. And in Fort Leonard Wood, I met um, some people that said that they had never, in 1988, they had never, ever um, seen a black person in person. 
they had seen blacks on television, but they lived in a small town. They never really ventured outside of their small town. If they did, the neighboring town didn't have any blacks. And so that really speaks to the divide in this country. And I agree that we need to have people more traveled so that um, so that um, we could have shared so we could share our differences and and find some common ground. I mean, you'll, you'll hear people sometimes say, like, I hate these type of people. Well, except for so-and-so, because it's harder to hate somebody or hate a group of people or to demonize a group of people when you when you know them, when, when you know somebody who's like that. You know, I think um, people's views about uh, gay marriage and homosexuality has... Uh, over the years uh, has become more accepting because as more and more people come out, the more you get intermingled with people. Yeah. Who cares? It's, you know, that's their choice. It's great. Or, I, I, not that that's their choice. I don't want to buy but, You know, that's part of their biology or, you know, who cares? And the more you, you meet with, with people of different faiths, different um, political systems, different Gender, oh, well, not different, but uh, ethnicities. It, it's just something you, you know, you start seeing people as just, uh, yeah, they have different views, and that, that's you, you start broadening your horizon. It's it's harder to demonize somebody when you actually can put a name to to, to to whatever group you're trying to to demonize. You know, let me like let I'm me. sure. If you, Go ahead. Let, let me jump in with this. So you started off your your commentary about you know the ne what's next with you know unifying the country, and, and I'm gonna go back to uh, good old '44 um, during his um, acceptance speech. Uh, one of the things that he uh, opened with and reiterated a few times is that you know for those of you who you know uh, voted for me. Um, you know, I thank you. I thank you for your support. We won. You know, I'm now the 44th president of the United States. And for those of you who didn't vote for me, I am your president too, right? And moving forward from this point, um, we need to figure out a way to work together. We need to figure out a way to unify the country. We need to not be about the red states and the blue states or the political party affiliation, because at the end of the day, we have to be one country unified moving in a similar direction, right? And, and again, I'm, I'm Davidizing a lot of what he said because I, I haven't listened to the speech in a while. There was a point in time I probably had it memorized. But, you know, when I look at tomorrow, you know, we're not, I mean, right now, even what you see on the screen is a divided country, right? And you got a bunch of red, you got a bunch of blue, um, and it looks like us versus them. And whichever one you are depends on which color you identify with. But, you know, come tomorrow or whenever the election is posted, you know, all of that should merge together and just become purple. Right. And I, I choose purple because it's the mix of blue and blue yeah. red, obviously. But because now um, Vice President Joe Biden, who will then be President Joe Biden or uh, President Donald Trump, who will continue being Donald Trump, will now have to set upon a mission, set forth a mission to do what's best for the American people as a whole. 
And that's where I think the divide in the conversation comes because up to this point, um, the view of who the American people are has not been, you know, uh, it has not been agreed upon. You know, one party feels it's this, another party feels it's that. The um, understanding of what the American people need hasn't been agreed upon, right? And so depending on who wins, who then gets represented? So you talk about, you know, being in the Midwest and being in other places. And I have friends today that look all different types of ways and they believe all sorts of different types of ways on a spiritual level and they relate all different types of ways on a sexuality level and just who I am and who I believe myself to be and and all of that and and that's wonderful right because you can you, you see that melting pot or chunky stew depending on how you look at the blend of the American country but um, in some places as you said it's not as free it's not as um, uh, open to anyone who's, who doesn't identify as you do, right? Now, whether that's race, socioeconomics, sexual orientation, political affiliation, and so forth. And there are some places where, you know, people that look like me just really shouldn't be there after a certain time. And there's some places where people that look like you shouldn't be there after a certain time. And so the country is divided. And I'm looking to really engage in the conversation of how do we undo that? How do we, and we, as in you and I, as individuals, uh, and and Caleb and any of our viewers, as an individual, you can't do much to make a difference, but you can do your part as part of the collective whole. How do we do that? You have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I, I, think, I think it has to be systemic. I mean, I, it's, and again, it's, it's I'll go, I, I think there's um, a, a problem with, with, with the way we pick presidents, the problem with the way we, we our political system runs right now, that it, it causes um, the primaries, we, we you know, nobody's first cho- choice is Joe Biden, or well, I think now some people's first choice is Donald Trump. But it should, it shouldn't be. Um, you know, that, that, those, this isn't the best that, that, that we have to offer. Um, and, and I think a lot of it has to do with um, the electoral. And I'll get into this. The electoral college needs to needs to go away. And I know that that oh, that'll get Democrats to win all the time. Well. No, then Republicans and Democrats can start running as more what what rep- like representing the people of this country instead of you know going to the extremes. I mean, I don't think Joe Biden is going to the extreme, but you know we we have a certain party in this, in this country that pretty much you need an extreme group of people to vote for them to, to have any chance in office, and, and that just you know, it's off putting to a lot of us. I mean, I, I, I don't know how to um, reach out and, um, you know, build bridges with white supremacists. I, I just don't. I, it's, it's, you know, I don't know how to, to reach out and have conver- like adult conversations with people who believe that the party that I, I vote for most of the time is run by a cabal of pedophiles. I, I, I just don't know. How to how to how to talk uh, talk with people like that? It, it, it's hard, and, and it's, 
you know, when, when you have people who have a, a just a, you know, I think we all have our own realities, but when, when, when you have people that have just a reality that's just based off over something that, is, in my opinion, isn't based anywhere. In fact, it's, it's, it's hard. I, I don't, I don't think, unless we start educating people better, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, the difference between us and European countries and other countries are we are, we are a very large country with a very, you know, not United States right now. We're just a bunch of states right now doing our, doing our own thing. And I, I, I'm not sure that what, what we're going to do is, but I think having a, a popular vote instead of an electoral college would um, help with things, you know. The fact that Joe Biden's probably going to win by seven or eight million votes and the election's going to be close, to me, that's, that's an issue. And, and I know that's not about bringing people together, but it, you know, the country's not as divided as it, as it seems when a good chunk majority kind of agree on one person, but um, the way the system's set up, is you know for a group to hold on to power i, I don't know let me so, let me say something Jay. let me say okay. something I'll throw out i'll just throw out some some concepts uh, uh but not easy I, and i and i understand why brian was struggling with it because you 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 gave him the uh you asked him the million dollar question like how are you going to fix it um, but we need to have start having conversations. The electoral uh, uh, college is is um, it's not a sham, but it's it's a it's a broken and, and and faulty system that needs to be that needs to be changed. We need to in this country we need to start addressing the issues um, that um, are creating the division, and we need to um, start treating people better. And I know that's a very simple uh, concept, but we need to treat people with dignity and respect. We need to um, um, fall back onto some of our our our, our um, American principles, at least the principles that that um, that I hold true. Um, and but we also need to talk about. The reasons why there is so much red on your screen right now. Um, I believe that I believe America is inst institutionally racist, right? Um, I believe that um, the way that America was formed um, through colonization and 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 built through slavery is part of the reason why. Um, we have so much division in this country. I also believe that, um, you know, there are, whether, whether people want to admit it or not, um, America is, is, was kind of built on white supremacy, right? And, um, and more so, um, you know, um, white men being, being um being privileged and so we need to talk about white privilege as well um and look at that 
Um, but because, but I say all that to say that um, it's a it's a really tough question. I mean, tough tough discussion because how do we get there? How do we get to um, uh, um, to have a conversation where where people are in power and 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 have them consider giving up some of their power? Um, and we need to talk about the elitists in this country and and because that's driving a, a division and the, the rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poorer um and we need to talk about political reform and 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 leveling the the playing field for for all americans but people don't don't view it the same and and, and in my opinion looking at the the red and the blue states i think that we need to do a better job of educating people on the political system and educating people in our, in our schools, uh, basic stuff like our our history, right? We need to not shy away from conversations that are difficult and challenging, and we need to um, engage in in those discussions so we can better understand the challenges in populations and and beliefs and values. All right. I'll I'll shut up. I'll I'll shut up now and let you and let you continue. I know you were about to. I interrupted you, so go ahead. No, I, I think what you said was good, but I, I want to hit a couple things, and I really want to touch on the electoral electoral college. But um, four years ago, and Caleb, you and I have had this conversation five years ago uh, when we knew that Donald Trump was running for president. It was like, yeah, right. That that's not going to happen. And, you know, as he got closer and closer, it was like, this could be a reality. And then we woke up on November 4th, 2016, to a new country where uh, the guy who fires people live on TV is the now president of the United States. So he's taken his public forum to a public, to a worldview stage, and we have this new country. And one of the things that you and I have said over the last six months, we've said it publicly here on Brothers from the 818, and we've said it just between ourselves and, and through different mediums, is that I'm not going to be silent. That as this election is approaching, I'm going to uh, take every opportunity I can to educate, to make sure people understand the necessity of voting, to not back away or shy away from conversations that are political, to not be combative, but to engage where necessary so that the thoughts or improper thoughts, well, proper or improper thoughts, aren't just thrown out. And I just say, wow, that was interesting, but nothing was done about it. So, um, so Brian, when you say that it's hard, I agree with you. I, I'm the first person to say for any of us as individuals to make a difference is hard. But the way you start making a difference is to start. Like you're here tonight. Like you, I'm sure you engage in conversations with Caleb. Uh, I'm sure you may engage with people that you come across in your own marketplace. Um, about how you feel and how you don't. And, and it doesn't, like I said, it doesn't have to be combative for us to share our viewpoints in an educated sense. So that's one, you know, how do you get started? You just start, right? And, and allow, the, allow the path to take you where it's gonna uh, go. But, you know, carry your Easton with you, right? Um, and and uh, shy away from no opportunities to swing for a home run when you need to, right? So that's number one. Um, number two, Caleb, you're right. We need to start being nicer to people. We need to start being having more compassion to people who may not feel the way we feel or who disagree with our viewpoints, especially when they come at it from a, well, this is why. Now, 
I'm going to be the first one to throw my hat in the ring, that I can be very uh, non-compassionate. I can have very, uh, I can have limited patience at times with people who, um, oh, I feel that this is better than that. Why? I just do. No, I, you're, you're a grown person. You don't get to do that, right? When I was a kid, um, my mother would say, why you do something? And I'd shrug my shoulders and she'd pop me in both shoulders hard. Be like, what's this? That, that means nothing. Um, if you're going to feel something, at least have a backbone for why you feel that way. Um, and so, you know, I think as people, just like you said, Caleb, we have to take it upon our action to be nicer, to be more engaging, to be willing to have those conversations, to stop waiting for permission and start asking for forgiveness. A lot of times we stand on the sidelines waiting for someone to give us a window to speak our mind or to be true about who we are instead of being true and speaking your truth and just jumping in to be who you are. So that's um, that's that on that viewpoint. I, I do want to expand this conversation of the Electoral College because- Wait, before, before, you, before you go there, Dave, let me ask you this. Because Brian, Brian said something. Um, he said, how do you build bridges with people that are, are um, um, I don't know if he said racist or, or, or white supremacist, <laughs> but how do you, totally different reality, we'll just try that. Yeah. Right, and so how do you, how do you build bridges with, with people with opposing views that are our, our biggest and elitist and racist and, and, and uneducated and to the point where they don't even care to, uh, better inform themselves or do re research how do you achieve that um I, I don't i don't know like we brian and i we we have we have uh, some friends in common and our our our, our beer is in common but our, our our political views are are much different and sometimes it's difficult to continue to um engage with people who um, see things so differently than you, and um, it's almost in like you're in an alternate uh, universe, uh, an alternate reality, because we we are so far apart from um, from the reality that I'm living and the things that I know that are true. I don't know how to build those bridges. Well, let me let me start here, and Brian, I would love to hear if you have an, an opinion on this. I don't want to uh, keep speaking over you or before you, but um, in the general sense, I'm going to speak literally, like we're building bridges, like you got a hammer in hand and a hammer and some cement and whatever it takes to build a, a bridge. Bridges are generally not built by separate parties, right? So whatever side, the two people on the opposite sides of, side of the chasm, we'll call it, usually don't come together to build a bridge. Usually one side builds the bridge to connect the other. Now, that's in a true sense of bridge building. It's also in a sense of trying to mend the, the break or to erase the divide or whatever. Bridges are seldom built in a cohort. They're built by the individual or built by the singular party that says, I'm going to extend the bridge, right? And once the bridge is extended, now you have to be satisfied knowing I have done this because that bridge comes with rules. I'm willing to come to the middle. I'm asking you to come to the middle. And in that coming to the middle, we get to have a conversation. And if you don't want to have that conversation, then don't approach the bridge. But just so you know, the bridge is there. It's sturdy. It's prepared for us. Now, I'm not ready for you to come to my side. You're definitely not ready for me to come to your side. But that's what the bridge is for. 
we can meet in the middle. And sometimes we have to be content in knowing that we built it. And I'm going to give you a current example. So Ice Cube with this contract with Black America, right? We, we started that conversation a little bit and we have our different views of where he went wrong or where he went right or whether it was a good thing or, or not in, in the other. But what he essentially did is built a bridge to both political parties and said, I'm willing to come and talk to you because one of the words he said is white supremacy exists in Democrats and Republicans alike. And if we're gonna do a contract with Black America, then let's do that contract with both Right. The Trump administration was willing to have that conversation. The Democrats wanted to wait until after, to see what happens after the election. But they actually, they wanted to have the conversation as well. And it was a bridge. And what he basically said is, hey, it's here. I'm willing to meet you in the middle. And if you want to engage, come to the bridge with me, because, again, I don't want you over here and I'm not ready to come over there. But this bridge is Switzerland. This bridge is neutral territory. This bridge is a place that we can come. Very similar to, you know, I don't go all over the place. When you buy something on eBay and you're going to do a personal transaction, you don't have somebody come to your house. You definitely don't go to theirs. You meet at the mall in broad daylight. First tender date or whatever. You know, you meet at a coffee shop, broad daylight around a lot of people, a neutral zone because you're just not ready to engage that person in your space and you don't necessarily want to venture into theirs either. So, again, bridge building goes into that second piece of we can build a bridge to individuals who think different, white supremacists, um, people who hate the LGBTQ movement, if I got the acronym wrong, I'm sorry, people who can't stand Democrats simply because they're Republican, people who can't stand people of Hispanic, Latin descent because they're not white. Whatever the scenario is, you can build the bridge. It's up to the individuals on both sides whether they're going to come to the middle and engage. I mean, I'm, I'm going to push back on it just a little, little bit. I mean, I, I think for for most people that, that that's okay. But I mean, what what's the the the, the midway point between uh, a white supremacist and somebody who just totally doesn't subscribe to that view? I mean, I, I don't, I don't want to meet you halfway in the middle. I, I mean, I, I don't. Sure, tell me, tell me why you think that you're superior. Why? What? what tell me. But I, I, I can tell you that it's going to make me angry. Well, listening to it, it's, it's going to make me, and I, and you know, I might take some of the building materials from my bridge. We'll, we'll talk to them and try to, you know, get. You know, pick my hammer up, but it, you know it, it's hard to meet, to meet in the middle there. You know, on, on some on some views, they're, they're just. I, I I think on most policy discussions, yeah, there's a middle, there, there's a talk. You, you need to have a. But on, if you're demonizing the other side as pedophile, Kabbalah, run group, or you're you're, you know, you think that you are. Um, Superior based on your skin color? No, I, I don't. I don't think there's like a a middle ground to be had there. And, and it's you know, yeah. I, I guess what I'm trying to see the best in people, but yeah. and that you know, racism hate is taught, but you know, yeah. yeah I, I, I want to do, Dave. I see you. I yeah. see you going. So there's go not ahead. a there's I not a middle ground to a racist viewpoint. 
I'm going to agree with you there, right? There's not a conversation I'm going to have with a white supremacist where we say, okay, let's just agree to disagree, but we can still, no, there's not a middle ground. What I'm saying is there's an intelligent conversation to be had with intelligent people. Now we know there's a whole lot of dumb people out there, right? And, And there's a whole lot of people who believe what they believe because that's just how they were raised or that's what they heard or that's what they've always been taught. But you dig into the scenario and they don't understand what it is about the platform that they represent you know, half people in this country couldn't explain to you the difference between a liberal and a conservative, a Republican and a Democrat, and so forth and so on. They're just, you know, repeating, they're parroting the information they've heard from somewhere else, or they're just following along a trend that they've always done simply because it's engaging and easy. And it's a lot easier to go with the pack than against the pack. What I'm saying is the bridge represents a conversation. It represents an ability to, for us to figure out how even though we have different viewpoints, we still serve this country together, and how do we make that happen? That's what I mean by that, right? Again, I'm not trying to um, all of a sudden, yes, I am trying to end white supremacy, end black supremacy. I'm trying to really look at the melting pot as truly what it is and get people to understand that all men are created equal and so forth. Now, is that, you know, uh, is that, uh, what's the word? is it naive? Little, right? Little, but you know, there's some, uh, a lot of change has been made in this country from the naive thought of an individual willing to make a difference, right? Some people would have said Martin Luther King was crazy. Some people would have said Mahatma Gandhi was crazy. Some people would have said Martin Luther was crazy. Um, you know, and, and any number of people who've instituted change in this country because they believe that they could change a mindset. And so I do believe that mindsets can be changed. Does that mean that I'm the individual that's going to do it by myself? No, but it does mean that if given the opportunity, I'll give it my shot, right? Mm-hmm. And if it's just to have an intelligent conversation, to me, that's a start. Yeah, let me, let me share this. Um, the, the, bridge, the bridge analogy, analogy, I like it, but usually, as you said, if there are people on two sides and they're working to build this bridge because at one point it would be an avenue to have a discussion you would think that they would have some common interests right um, but when there's no interest in common then then what's the benefit of 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 having that discussion i think that um with america um um so many people would well there are people that would have to relinquish some of their power in order to um improve our 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 status our our standings in as a nation and most people don't want to do that what's in it for me what's in it for me for me to build build, for me to work on our relationship because things seem just fine the way that they are right i think and I thought we were going in in this direction, especially when when the um, the Me Too movement took place, when um, with the Black Lives Matter movement and the, and all of the issues surrounding George Floyd. I thought we was going in a direction where we could call people out and say, "You're wrong for that." Let me tell you why, and and that will be the starting point for educating people. Right. Too often people are sitting quiet and allowing this stuff to happen. And what I've seen, and and, and we're not supposed to be doing it tonight, but what I've seen with 
um, uh, Trump is that he's emboldened people to just act, you know, act their worst, to be the worst, the worst of themselves. And and I would have hoped that um, the, the the other politicians, the other people of influence, the other people uh, of, that have wealth, the other people that are business owners would have said, Donald, this is wrong. You can't treat people that way. But there are people sitting silent on on so many of these issues. And what I what I've seen is that, and what's what is so scary is that. If, if these if these colors continue to be what they are, if Donald Trump has another uh, four years as our president, I think that it's only going to embolden them even more. Now people are there. There's no benefit for them to to act civil. There's no benefit for them to 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 consider um, crossing that bridge because they would have to give up something in order to do it. I, I, can I just jump in here, Caleb? Yeah. Uh, you, you, when you said people sitting on the sideline, that reminded me of a, a quote from uh, Jackie Robinson's uh, autobiography where uh, he was talking about Branch Rickey, the, the old owner of the Dodgers, who brought him up into the, the major leagues. And he, he said, uh, you know, why a lot of people are sitting on the, the sideline now, I think. He said a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, business people can get behind black power as long as it coincides with green power. And I think a lot of people sit on the sidelines because it's not affecting their pocketbook. Why, why should I care if it doesn't affect me? Why should I care if it doesn't, you know, if I make a, a stance, I, it might affect my pocketbook. I think of the whole um, Colin Kaepernick, Nike thing. It, did Nike start supporting them because they really social justice warriors or is it good for the bottom line? I don't know. Maybe I'm a cynic there. But I, I just think back to that, that quote by, by Jack Robinson work, you know. Let me tell you, Brian, you're a cynic, man. I've been hanging around you for a yeah. <laughs> I know. Um, people are self-serving, no doubt. People are self-serving and uh, to, to a point where um, people are willing to go to hell if there is a, such a thing, right? People are willing to to um, push someone in front of a train. People are willing to sell someone else's organs if it means that they, they get to live an extra week, right? Um, and people are so self-serving, it comes down, it feels like it's coming down to whether or not I get to keep my political seat, whether or not I get to keep my job, whether or not uh, I get to um, secure my, 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 re my retirement and my pension. And it is sickening because that is, in my opinion, in my view, that is not the American way. So, what? Go ahead, I'm sorry. Yeah, let, let me just let me, let me jump in there. One, I agree, people are very self-serving. Um, whether you're a cynic or not, Brian, I'm not really sure. I don't know you, but business is about the bottom line, and and that's just the way that goes. Nike chose to support Colin because it made sense to do for them for them to do it financially. Um, and so, you know, uh, finance for big business moves that needle. And most uh, companies, I can't think of any off the top of my head, feel free to challenge me, anybody who's watching this. Uh, most companies are not going to purposely engage in an action that's going to reduce their bottom line, right? Unless they're purposely saying we're going to donate our resources to this group to do X, Y, and Z, and we're willing to take a 10% loss because of it. I've never even heard of that. 
right? Because generally, they when they do things like that, they operate out of their abundance, not out of their lack. Um, but that being said, that self-serving nature is very real um, for all of us. And again, not to continue on the soapbox, but I don't, I don't question whether or not it's hard. I question whether or not it's necessary. Um, I question that the, the, the things that we want to do that give us the sickest feeling in our stomach, but we know it's the right thing to do, is the thing that we need to be stepping forward to make happen. Because if we don't, who will? Right. The other piece is a lot of what we have in this country today, especially as you said, Caleb, you got to have somebody willing to give up their power. Ninety nine out of uh, out of 100, um, nine out of 10 chances, a person in the seat of power doesn't want to give that up. But that person will eventually move out of that seat and have to vacate it for someone else. And I think we are a nation, um, a, a group of people that's interested in, in sowing, uh, reaping, sowing and harvesting reaping and harvesting, uh, sowing and reaping um, in an instantaneous fashion. We want it and we want it now. Instead of realizing that the steps that you and I, the three of us, anybody else is, who's listening, take today may not show seed or show a, a, a seedling or even sprout to something for another 10 years, for another generation, because we have to build up those that are at lower levels of power to get into a position of a higher level of power, because no one's going to argue that if you look at Congress, if you look at the local councils, if you look at the city councils and so forth, that group looks a whole lot more diverse today than it did 40 years ago, right? But 40 years ago, that group is in power today. And unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on the ramp you're looking at, that group comes from a white um, uh, middle class to upper elite uh, generation that whether or not they have racist, racist tendencies or so forth and so on, they came up through a generation where, you know, they're in and, and, and got to a point where they're in power now. Another generation is coming up. And if you look at a snapshot, that generation looks a lot different. That generation has the AOCs. It has the Kamala Harris's. It has the, you know, the, the up and coming young Democrats and Republican that served and look that have a more diverse view. And eventually, those people will be in a situation to take advantage of the seeds that we plant today. And that's what I'm saying. We may build a bridge and we don't know how to have the conversation or may even be unwilling to have the conversation with the white supremacists who, if we get within striking distance, they would rather hit us than talk to us. But the bridge is still there for the next generation to be able to do something with it that we couldn't. And that's my point of the bridge. Yeah, I was going to, I'll just add something, you know, um, I think we really need to redefine what uh, being American is and what it looks like and, and come up with a definition that, that um, people can agree on. You know, Americans used to buy American, right? American products because it was good for the country, right? Americans used to buy local because they wanted to, to support um their their neighbor or this local business um but but there was there's been a shift in that and people will people will buy whatever is cheaper because nah, it's it's not it's not necessary what's in the best interest of america is in the best interest of me right um people used to walk across the street to to greet a neighbor with a with a pie right and say hey welcome to the neighborhood people used to pull over their car 
and say, oh, this other car is in distress because it ran out of gas. Let me help you push. Let me help you push it out of the street. Right. Those things don't happen anymore. And but I, I but and I believe that when when those things were happening as a country. We were um, we were more morally sound. We were more conscious. We were more caring and concerned about our fellow neighbors. And I don't I don't think at least it doesn't feel as if that's the that's the uh, agenda anymore for um, for the majority of Americans. And, I, and that's why I say we need to we need to define what being an American is and what what are some of the expectations? What are some of the the, the foundational um, foundational pieces that that um, that is expected from uh, a decent American? And I think we're we're kind of lost at this point. Agreed. Okay. What, uh, what your country can do for you, what you can do for your country, type thing. Um, right. I mean, I, I think about a conversation I had with my my wife as we were talking about uh, ballots here. Um, the the city we live in. I don't. I'm not going to get it. I don't know if you, you give it out, Caleb. Uh, but you know, the, the the Republican mayor, the incumbent. Um, he he's focused a lot on spending money on the west side of town, um, where where we live. And uh, I actually heard the uh, uh, one of the Democratic challengers talking, and he was talking about one of the major things he wants to do if he gets elected is spread the money that, that gets collected here more equitably on the east side of town. You know, there's only one major park on the east side of town, but, you know, we've got quite a few over here on the west side. And even though that would be against my own interest, you know, I joked with Amelia, I was like, hey, you know, I guess I should vote for the Republican because he, he's talking about keeping money on this side of town. Yeah, you know, he's a senator. You know, what's that? <laughs> I said you're cynical, right? <laughs> no, but I, 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 I voted for it because you know what? You know, we, we do have to give up some of, uh, you know, it can't just be an end game of, you know, I, I, I try to get everything for myself. And going back to what David said about corporations or businesses doing what's, uh, what's best for their, their own interests. I mean, I think when corporations, and I'm pretty sure about this, are, are supposed to be to get a charter, you, you have to do what's in the, the public good. It's part of like a corporation's uh, charter. I mean, they don't do it. But bylaws, yeah. Yeah, bylaws, it's supposed to be like they're, they're supposed to be for the public benefit and, you know, doing stuff that, that's right is, it's, you know, even if it does cost you a little bit of power or money, I, I think if we really want to want to make United States, great. Again, that's what we need to do. We need to. Uh, I didn't want to say again. <laughs> I didn't want to say again. But if we really want to do that, we need to. You know, I need to be willing to give up stuff that otherwise I, I wouldn't do. Like out here in California, I, I'm, a, I'm a white man. Um, affirmative action was on uh, one of the propositions. Yeah, I, I have no problem with with making. Um, Decisions that, that make you know universities and other things more more representative of the population of, of the state. That that just that that could in theory uh, 
be detrimental to me or my kids, but that's, I, I, I'm a middle class guy. I've got a good job. My, my children are going to be fine. I don't need to worry about that. You know, it, it's, but if I can help make the world better, yeah, that, that's, it's just something, you know, it can't always just be a, a you know, um, only looking out for ourselves. I mean, okay, maybe my kids, and my kids are two and four, so we're not even thinking about it. Maybe my kid doesn't get into UCLA or, uh, uh, up to Berkeley. Um, that's, and, and the, and the, just the things that's not that important. Well, yeah. they don't go to UCLA. Hopefully they go to a better school. Um, we got some other nicer schools in our community, such as my alma mater, the um, uh, University of Southern California. Yeah. Yeah. Let me let me say this. And, and my I've sailed, you know, I've, I've had uh, I've been on the water with uh, a number of different watercrafts. But, you know, one of my favorite things to do and I, I don't do it any degree of uh, I don't do it often at all, but is to go out to like Castaic Lake and rent a boat and just go fishing, right? And the analogy I'm making is when I get into that little boat and I'm, you know, motorboating along, if I want to go left, I, I jerk that handle, you know, to the right and it immediately makes the boat turn, right? Versus when I went on a cruise last year, um, the ability to turn that huge ship is is no, no matter how hard you jerk that wheel or joke the uh, what's it what's it called the, whatever it is uh, no matter how hard you turn try to turn the boat it's going to turn at a slow pace again huge ship little bitty rudder and the reason I bring that example up is because as individuals like you said you voted for the proposition that uh, uh, support of affirmative action, so did I, right? I went to Berkeley because of affirmative action. Um, I had a guy tell me that, you know, how do I dare think that's right when better qualified people like myself didn't get into, and he was referring to the police academy, the police academy because my because I was a white man, and so I think affirmative action is wrong. And I said, yet you work for me. So, you know, there's still decisions that you make after that. Affirmative action didn't help me graduate from Berkeley. It helped me get in. What I did with it after that is up to me. Um, but as an individual, you can turn and shift with the wind if you choose to. As the head of your family, you can uproot and move and change a direction almost at the drop of a dime. Corporations don't get that opportunity. And so when you say, and, and they can make change, but change for a corporation is like moving a cruise ship. It takes a lot of effort, a lot of effort to make slow change generally, right? Because there's board of directors, there, there's committee members, there's CEOs and VPs and marketing people and, and all of that. And having spent 20 years in the private sector, you know, dealing with Fortune 500 companies, I understand that all too well. But my point is, to your point of the, the in the bylaws of a, corp, of a corporation is to uh, serve the public good. I agree with you 100%. But what's also in the bylaws is I get to define what the public good is. Yeah. Right? And so as long as that's the parameter, then the rules are all over the place. And now it becomes very difficult to really define what an American is, if we're going to bring it back to that, because me being American, I don't have to go by a dictionary rule. I get to define what it means to be an American. 
So as a black man that grew up in the inner city that happens to have a better job now and live in a better neighborhood and have an opportunity to raise my kids in a better way, and I see diversity and equity, inclusion and justice as all part of the same conversation, to me, that defines me as an American, right? To somebody in the Midwest who happens to be a member of the Proud Boys and they feel how they feel about white supremacy and what you know anyone who doesn't look like them feel should look like, and they're just waiting for their president to step up and give them the green light to go do exactly what they want to do. In their mind, they are being an American, right? And so we have to be, if we're gonna have that conversation about redefining what America is, that's true, but then who gets to say it and who has to agree with it, right? Maybe the conversation should be, we just have to define what it means to be a good person, right? What does it mean to just, you know, really look out for your fellow man, right? Because most people will agree with that. The most racist people in the world will agree that, you know, looking out for your fellow man is a good thing. I just don't want to do it with you because, you know, you don't count. I'm, I'm more superior to you or I'm better than you because I'm a man and you're a woman or because I'm black and you're Hispanic or whatever the scenario may be. After they say the good thing, then they justify it according to how they feel, how they were raised, where their structure of belief is. And as you said earlier, Caleb, um, I think in a lot of these cases, they're waiting for the green light to um, to, to either move forward or at minimum, not have to move backward. I don't have to give up anything because the person in charge does not mandate of me. You know, um, by the way, um, our, our, the chart has, has shifted a little bit. Saw that. Yeah. Um, the much closer race and I see, um, in, in my in my um, junior journalism um, efforts, I see that uh, Joe Biden probably has less less opportunities to win than uh, Donald Trump. I know that the there's 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 gray, there's light blue, there's light pink because those are still um, undecided, but they're leaning one, in one direction. I just noticed that shift. I wanted to bring attention to that since we're still on election night. Something I was going to say is um, military organizations bring together people from all over the country. And they're successful because they have a common interest. And that same guy that I that I met in, in 1988, um, we trained together. And if we would have, if we would have went to war together, our focus would have been on that that common interest. And we need to define what the what's the common interest for America. Um, I think the common interest is to try to hope and, and help everyone else. Right. That that's that that would be my hope. But that's uh, too idealistic for for most Americans. But the common interest is what we need to uh, probably establish. Um, because, you know, most people would, most, most people, on, regardless on, on if they're part of the Proud Boys, white supremacists, Black Lives Matter, they, they probably could agree that they want what's best for their country because the what's best for their country, because what's best for their country is, is best for their, their children and their, and their grandchildren and their great grandchildren, right? Um, and I think when, when you think of it in that terms, you want 
to have people working in unison um, and and kind of re reestablish or redefine what that common interest is. And so those are my thoughts on that. Well, also though, one of the one of the things about the United States, which is different than than other countries, is we are a bunch of states together, and uh, there's that idea of uh, each state's like a. Uh, I feel what Supreme Court uh, justice said that somebody from like the 1800s um, or 1900s that they're like small laboratories of democracy, where you know let California do its liberal thing and see how it works out and if it works for them let them do it their way you don't need to demonize them now texas on the other hand is a state another big state if they're let them try out their their conservative policies and if it works out for them as long as they're not trampling on human rights let them let them do you know keep taxes low uh provide bare minimum services um as a special education teacher, I know they've been uh, sued by the federal government because they were trying to limit the number of kids in special education arbitrarily. But, uh, you know, if that's the system that the people there want to live under, why, why we don't need to demonize them for it. It's just as long as you're not taking somebody's rights away, okay. So, but, so it's not that we do have to come to the common goal all the time. You know, different states have different uh, resources, different populations, different needs. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, yeah, it'd be great. We all have like a, a, a common love for this country. We should. But, you know, having a common goal, I mean, it's okay to have uh, different goals, different ways of governing, because that, that's what the states' rights was supposed to be all about when, when the country was formed. So, You're right. You're right. I mean, I, I don't know if we, you know, necessarily, I mean, I think we all need to have a respect for each. And it's, again, it's easy as a, as a liberal Californian to make fun of Texas and Florida for whatever, whatever. But, you know, as long as it's not something that, like, as long as there's no human rights violations, if, if a state and another state in the union wants to, uh, again, I'm, I'm passionate about education because I'm a teacher, wants to cut taxes for the wealthy in their state and um, not fund schools as, as properly, that's that's what happened in Kansas a few years ago. It, it had uh, some pretty bad consequences for, for their, their system there. But, you know, it, it's really like, I like California. I like having services that the government provides. Let, let that be. But if you live in a state of, you know, Texas, and that's not what the, the people there want, they want lower taxes, and, you know, they're not worried as much about the, the safety net, okay. As long as you're not trampling on human rights there, that, that should be something... We should respect. So it, it is. I, I do feel like, yeah, the United States. We should have like a a common ethos or or, or, or something that we ethics that we all have. But again, there's a reason why why we were when we started out different states who were self governing. And states' rights is a big part of the Constitution. 
No, I, I get you. Um, you know, this is one of those conversations that we can we can go on and on. I think it's uh, what what's most important is, you know, setting up um, setting up the ball on the tee to use uh, the uh, one of Caleb's uh, favorite sports uh, references. We, we have to be in a position to hit the ball to the next location. And, and I think, you know, whether it's, you know, focusing on human decency, uh, what's the right thing to do, planting the seed, uh, preparing a, a, a nation for the next generation to take it to the next level. Um, we have to be able to engage in that activity, back to my original point, um, starting whenever a decision is made under a uh, continuing or a new administration and do the best we can. We can't put our head in the sand like an ostrich because our candidate didn't win and woe is me, what are we going to do now, right? We have to um, move forward, move forward with a plan, move forward with some action, move forward with a way of living that's going to get us um, to the next point. Um, and we can continue that forever. Unfortunately, you know, we don't have that much time on the show, um, but you know, let, let's put a half pin there and, and you know, in a limited space of time, and, and I don't even know if it's, a, if it's a wise point to bring this up, but the one thing we kept talking about or brought up a few times was the Electoral College and how messed up it is and so forth and so on. And my personal stance, and you know, not even to engage us in deep conversation because the answer is likely, I don't know, but what's better, right? Do we... Uh, I refuse to believe that a popular vote is the way to go because then you get the majority of Texas, California, New York, Pennsylvania, and you got the popular vote right there. And now all of a sudden six states have spoken for the rest of the country if you just want to go off popular vote, right? Um, is electoral the best way? I don't know. I think it's a good idea, poorly implemented. But, you know, the more populated states have a higher percentage of the vote but every every state has a percentage of elect of of, of uh, votes to apply towards the whole. Um, my biggest issue with the electoral uh, electoral college is that it's a, it's a suggestion, not a mandate, right? So there's you know for the I think California has forty seven votes. For those forty seven votes uh, right now, it looks like a blue state. So the forty seven voting members of California. Um, are urged to vote uh, for Joe Biden, right? To cast their singular vote. They don't have to. There's nothing in our constitution that says they have to, right? It's just a suggestion. And up to this point, it's never been disputed, but it could be, right? And so if we really want to engage in a conversation about what's what else, I would say, yeah, what else? What What's our other option? Because I don't think it's perfect, but... I think it's better than the popular vote. And, and outside of that, what else do we have? Well, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I think a popular vote is the way to go. Okay. You already have the, the Senate, which protects the smaller states to make sure that their voices are heard. You know, there's, you know, uh, Wyoming, which has, you know, two senators, even though they have 40 times less the population. But, they get the representation from there. Um, but a president that's supposed to represent all of Americans, the fact that, you know, I have to worry about how Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania are going to vote tonight, how their votes are going to turn out. I don't know. I mean, 
the Supreme Court, uh, the fact that five Supreme Court justices have been selected by either Bush or Trump, who both of them didn't win the popular vote, that's a majority right there. A majority of the Supreme Court, the top court in the land, majority of the justices right now were selected by presidents or nominated by presidents who didn't win a popular vote, who didn't have a, and I, well, I would say, a mandate to, to, to put somebody on, on a court for a lifetime appointment to make, uh, to make laws or to, to judge the fairness of laws. I, I, I have a problem with that. So I, I, I get what you're saying about, oh, you don't want just the most popular states to pick the, the president, but that's that's what happens individually in, in uh you know states and for like California, count like cities like LA, San Francisco, San Diego pick the governor, and we're not complaining about that. Why is it different at the, the federal level? You do have those senators who, which is not a very democratic institution, who are uh, to kind of cool to give the, the minority of states, you know, so it's not a tyranny of the majority situation. So I, I, I don't like the premise of, I mean, it's your opinion, but I, I don't think the electoral college is the best way, but I would go with the popular vote. Well, hey, on the Brothers from 818, you know, we don't have to agree. I mean, I think, I, I think what we're doing is the exact thing that I talked about with the bridge. It's intelligent conversation. And so um, I see it one way, you see it another. Uh, I'm not going to look you in the eye and be like, well, Brian, that's too bad. It's my show. You're wrong. No, it's not at all. It's, it's not about that at all. I think that anyone who watched, that's watching or listening, you know, might say, hey, David, you know, you're full of it on that one. Or, you know, you were right. Who knows? Right. It's, it's just an opinion. Um, what I will agree with you with and disagree at the same time is when I look at the majority of the Supreme Court justices that were put upon, that were put in place by two presidents who didn't win the popular vote and who did not have a mandate to do so. Now I go back to my problem with the Electoral College is that it's a suggestion. And just like the uh, presidents don't have a mandate to fill that seat, they do have an opportunity to fill that seat. And since there, you know, we said before when um, when Barrett was being, um, uh, uh, what's the word? Um, so when the Senate was talking to her, when they were going through the confirmation hearings, that's what I'm looking for, that um, the American people didn't get a choice in that. Not at all. So, you know, why should we? And in a majority Senate, I mean, in the majority uh, Republican Supreme Court, she's going to get confirmed regardless of anything else that's happening. And as as Trump said, not that I agree with anything Trump says, but as Trump said, um, uh, I get to do this because I am the president, because I was elected and because this is my right to be able to fill this seat. You can compare me to Abraham Lincoln or whatever who did the right thing and pushed it off, but it's my right to fill this seat and I'm going to. Now, that should be wrong. Right. That should be a law that we change, just like the suggestion for the Electoral College should be a law that we change, just like uh, term limitations in the Senate should be things that we change, um, just like, you know, in my view, the popular vote should not necessarily be the, the parameter that we look at, especially when we're in both of those cases, like you said, um, the popular vote went one way, but the Electoral College went another. Right. And that's what we find ourselves in um, 
in you know the last 20 years of elections, I think uh, Obama's first term aside, um, is a whole bunch of close elections, right? Ronald Reagan's first term, he won 90, by 90 percent, right? Barack's first term, I think he was 70 something percent. His second was like 55, right? So it, it, the, the, as we go through, it gets closer and closer. I think uh, 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 the, I don't remember the number between um, uh, Hillary Clinton and, and, and um, Trump, but it was uh, the, the electoral college skewed it a whole lot more than what it is. So my view of that is not that the electoral college is wrong. I mean, is right as much as um, I think it's better than the popular vote. And I think it needs some revision. That's all I'm saying that we need to look at it differently or figure out what to do with those votes or reallocate the votes that come from it a little bit, a little differently. So I'll just say that um, I think you both are right. I, I, I agree with both of you. So how about me uh, sitting on the fence, right? I think that you're, they, you're, you're in the middle on the bridge. <laughs> I'm, I'm on the bridge, right? Come on over. Come on over. Come here, David. Come here, Brian. Right. Um, um, I think that it's, it's broken. It needs to be changed. I don't know if it needs to be completely blown up. I don't think that it's working. Uh, I, I don't like how it, how it, it um, is currently structured. Um, and um, I'm not opposed to the popular vote. You know, um, that is that is how most things are done in the country, right? Because it's the most things are done in the country to mean that it has to be done that way. But um, that is how... Um, most um, people um, determine um, um, outcomes is through um, the popular vote. And um, um, what I would change is, um, what I would change is, is I would want to make sure that, um, that there is more consideration for the popular vote uh, and, and, and maybe changing it in that way. Got you, got you. Well, we have definitely reached the uh, the digital underground uh, moment of this show where it's uh, it's time to start wrapping it up. Um, so um, normally, Brian, and I, and I kind of want to, you know, hear your spiel on this. We jump into a, a, a what are you listening to? Before we actually went live, you shared a little bit of uh, your playlist and, and what types of things you're listening to. So um, why don't you tell us, Brian, what's, what's in your ear these days? Uh, like I, I usually just listen to music when I'm working out. I just listen to '90s music, uh, all different genres. While I'm trying to relive my youth, while I'm trying to get my body in my youth, okay, <laughs> going as well. So, all right, '90s was what's what's getting me going. All different genres. Give me uh, give me three artists from uh, just whoever. It, it doesn't have to be the same uh, genre or whatever, but three artists that just come to the top of your head. Uh, I like Rage Against the Machine. I just something that. Uh, uh, today's critical climate is something I like to rock out to. It's something to, you know, um, I, I like Tupac, hit him up. And I thought, you know, that's, uh, that's my, uh, you know, if, you, if you're having beats with somebody that you just think of that, think of that song or, you know, uh, and then, uh, what the last one would be, uh, Yeah. That's, those are some good ones. Those yeah, I'm nice to put those too. I guess. I mean, 
I grew up liking corn, but now that I'm a little older, I'm like, every time I'm there, I'm like, yeah, it's a little corny, but uh, right. it's a little corny to it. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll listen to the whole song when it comes on, but I'm like, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think your, your, your uh, musical selections is an example of exactly what we're talking about, that, you know, uh, you, you put Rage Against the Machine and Tupac, you know, in the same room and, you know, you see dynamic opposition and it doesn't have to be that way. It really doesn't. Um, and and uh, I think that's kind of cool. I could think of one Rage Against the Machine song that's like playing in my head right now, but I couldn't even tell you the name of it. So a um, little far from my library, but um, uh, but no, thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. Um, uh, Caleb, honestly, all I've been listening to is, you know, political commentary the last couple of days. And just, uh, and today, you know, my entire focus is uh, looking at this chart, seeing what's going on. Um, you know, people have uh, talked to me at various points during the day and, you know, I'm nervous about this I'm in state of panic, what's going on? Like, you know, did you vote? Yep. Why are you nervous? I mean, you know, can't do nothing about it now. Now we're just, uh, we're already strapped into the roller coaster and we're going up the hill and down and there's a loop coming up and, you know, we know it's going to make it back to the end safe, but you know, what does safe look like and will I be able to walk when it's all said and done? So, um, so that's what's been in my ear. What about you, Caleb? Yeah, um, Brian mentioned a Rage Against the Machine. It makes me uh, want to throw in some Stain and some uh, Incubus. Uh, but this week I've been listening to uh, Shay's playlist, right? And so Shay was a Shay was a guest uh, a couple a couple months back, and Brian and she shared her playlist with uh, David and I, and uh, it's pretty incredible. It's pretty diverse. Um, so you know, she got some Luke on there. Um, how did how did we get away with listening to Luke in the, in the '80s, man? I don't understand. Like the the um, I want to rock. Doodoo Brown. Doodoo Brown. I don't like. I was listening to it with my with my daughter, twenty seven year old daughter, right? Not my four year old daughter. For all the mandated reporters out there, um, and I was like. I can't believe I grew up listening to this, right? Um, but uh, I did enjoy it still. <laughs> we listened to some Salt and Pepper. We listened to some Busta Rhymes. You know, Shay's playlist. You got DJ Quick on there as well. Uh, it was, it was, it was cool. Just kind of um, driving on the 101 um, with my with my oldest daughter, listening to to music that she that she could appreciate too. And but she she also said, you know. Um, she said something interesting. She said, you know, my, she said her grandparents' music was also, uh, a lot of it was inappropriate. And um, my generation music is inappropriate, right? If you're listening to it today. And then the music that she's into in her generation, I will listen to that and say, that's us. That's so inappropriate. Why are you listening to it? But now I, now I have a, a place of reference and I could understand, especially listening to some Luke. No, I hear you. And, um, you know, maybe one day we'll do a podcast about inappropriate music across your generations. Cause you know, I got a whole playlist of stuff that, you know, from the 50s, 60s, 70s, where they just kind of went there. Um, wasn't as common as it was today, but um, yeah, there's some stuff out there where you're like, really, did they say that? And they got away with it and it was on the radio. Wow. Okay. Well, hey, more power to you. Um, 
So, you know, that's what we got. Um, Brian, what I got to tell you, man, is I definitely appreciate your transparency tonight. Um, and just, uh, you know, thank you for being on the show with us and sharing your viewpoints uh, with the brothers from the 818. And um, as I said and commented a couple of times, it's, it's the proof that sometimes the conversations don't have to agree. A lot of times they're hard, um, but it doesn't mean they're not necessary, right? And um, we have to be willing to engage in these conversations, especially, you know, it's always comfortable when you're in a peaceful crowd, right? When you're around people that you know you could just have a conversation with. But what if you're not, right? What if, you know, this is your opportunity to sway a thought, to give an opinion, to change a mind, to change the world, but it's hard, so I don't want to do it, right? Um, we can't be backing off of things because it's hard. And I know you know that. I'm just, I'm really co-signing off of what you were saying. Um, we didn't even dig into the fact that you're a teacher. You said you're, uh, you, I, I'm a, I, I have to ask this. I'm not being funny, but in a way I, I am as well. Um, do you teach PE at all? No, no, I am special ed. Okay. Uh, I, I only ask that because the, the rumor is PE teachers also are special education teachers, right? Oh. So I'm in education myself. Um, um, so no, I think that's cool. I would really, and we don't have to get into it tonight, obviously, but, um, you know, from a social emotional learning standpoint, what does your conversation look like under a new presidential administration or a continuing the current one, right? What grade do you teach? Uh, sixth grade. So I, I go between six and seven. Okay. So maybe um, not so much. You might not hear a lot. Um, but maybe, you know, so I think as a teacher, um, you know, I got a, a particular level of love for teachers. Um, you know, one of my favorite people in the world, uh, one of our favorite people in the world, Caleb, is a teacher and um, or maybe a retired teacher by now. Um, but if you listening, you old, dude. I mean, you was old when we was in school and, and now we're probably older than you were then. So you just really old. Uh, but anyway, we love you, and we we looking forward to to going to churches and getting some chicken and having you on the show. But um, mad love for teachers, Brian. So thank you for doing what you do uh, uh, with that. And um, you know, it ain't easy, but it's worth it, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. You know yeah. what? In the classroom. Yeah, and what I would love to do is actually bring on someone like uh, Mr. Buck. Uh, and and um, someone that is either retired and spent a career teaching and then have someone uh, like um, Brian who has been doing it for a while, maybe someone that's just starting out and have them share their, their different viewpoints. That would be awesome. You know, as I think about this the, tonight's uh, topic and still looking at the, the, the uh, colorful map in front of us, um, I'm thinking that my takeaway will be that we need to build bridges. We need to have tough conversations. We need to um, we need to do better as a nation, and we need to um, start somewhere. And so that somewhere would be having these conversations. It's kind of like the Me Too movement that I that I spoke about earlier, the LGBTQ uh, movement that took that that took life. How the nation um, seemed to come together. Uh, around uh, George, George Floyd's death and recognize the wrong in that. And I think we need to just continue to, to, to tell, to, to speak those truths and not be ashamed a, a of it or, um, or um, with, the, with the intent to educate instead of the, to demonize someone. 
I really enjoyed you being on, Brian. Uh, I always enjoy our conversations. This is what the brothers from 818 do. We get together, we have conversations, and um, you know, people that are are watching our podcast, people that um, that have their opinions, um, we welcome that because um, this is we're, we're two guys from from the the 818, the 91331. And we have an opinion, but it's not, it's our opinion. And if you have a, a different opinion, we, we certainly would like to hear it. That's what's up. So, Brian, we appreciate you, brother. We thank you for uh, being an honorary 818 straight out of Panorama City. And uh, what's the other spot you said? Uh, North Hollywood. North Hollywood. Uh, old stomping grounds for both of us uh, for reasons that we won't even go into on this show. Um, but, um, yeah, so everybody out there, um, we attempted and, uh, I'm not even sure how well it went to do a live broadcast on Facebook, um, uh, and, and other, uh, uh streaming sites. Uh, but this, uh, this podcast will be recorded as always. Um, you can catch it on up to nine or 10 streaming platforms. It'll also be available on YouTube, uh, tomorrow at some point. And um, like I said, we will uh, continue to have this conversation um, as long as uh, as long as we're around. And uh, we just ask that you keep showing up, keep showing out. Um, click like and subscribe that link if you see it. Um, if you find our content engaging, um, I'm hearing more and more from different people, Caleb. That you know, they're they're actually tuning in uh, to the show and and engaging on different levels. And um, I think I even shared with you a text I got from someone. <laughs> Uh, regarding that. And so um, we're just going to keep doing what we're doing. Uh, Brian, we need uh, people like yourself who are just willing to come on and spend this time with us and, and share this conversation. So we appreciate you too, with you uh, as well. So for everybody else out there, we are signing off tonight from the brothers from the 818 straight out of Pacoima, California. Um, and, um, you know, keep your eye on that. Uh, on that chart right now we're at uh 224 versus 213 and like i opened with don't believe the hype don't think it's you know if you look at that that red and blue and that gray matter of fact i don't even see any more gray and see you know where things are trending um it can make you feel one way or another um it's not done until it's done um until they make an announcement of who the next president is and someone concedes you know we either gonna move forward or we're gonna start anew and until we know we really don't know. So on behalf of Brothers from 818, we are signing out. We wish you guys well. Um, stay tuned. Stay engaged. Uh, love somebody. Love yourself. Peace out. You are down with the Brothers from the 818.